0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with a broad overview of the global financial markets, including a special focus on the Kenyan markets. And in order to deliver on this objective, we have structured this podcast To begin with an overview of the global markets so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the local markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. This podcast is targeted at the individual with an interest in the financial markets, but who probably doesn't have the time for research and analysis. That is why I created the Market Color podcast to call it and analyze the data on your behalf and to present it in a brief and concise manner that is easy for you to consume. Ladies and gentlemen, this here is episode number 52 which marks exactly one year since we started this podcast. And to commemorate our first anniversary, I have a special announcement to make. But I want to save that for later. So please listen through to the tail end of this episode. So this week, we're reviewing the performance of the global markets during the 16th week of 2023. That is from Monday, the 17th to Friday, the 21st of April. And without further ado, this is your host, Jamuhuri, and together, let's dive right in. We kick it off in the United Kingdom, where inflation remained above 10% in the month of March, as households continue to grapple with soaring food and energy prices. According to the Office for National Statistics, the CPI, that is the Consumer Price Index, rose by an annual rate of 10.1%, which was still above consensus expectations of 9.8%, but was a slight dip from the 10.4% that was recorded the previous month in February. On a monthly basis, the consumer price inflation was at 0.8%, and this again was down from 1.1% in the month of February. And shifting gears to the east, whilst the global economy appears to be slowing down, the Chinese economy defied this trend as it recorded solid growth in the first quarter of 2023. According to China's National Bureau of Statistics, the country's gross domestic product grew by 4.5% in the first quarter, marking the highest growth rate since the first quarter of 2022. China's growth has been under the spotlight as it recently reopened after nearly three years of strict COVID restrictions. And in the U.S. stock market, investors continue to evaluate the latest earnings reports that have raised concerns about disappointing corporate profits. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was flat on Friday, but closed lower for the week at 33,808. Meanwhile, the S&P 500 ticked up by just 0.09%, to settle at 4,133, and the Nasdaq Composite rose marginally by 0.1% to close the week at 12,072. All the major indices closed the week in the red, with the Dow falling 0.23%, while the S&P slipped 0.1%, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq dipped 0.42%. In the bond market, the yields on U.S. treasuries edged lower on Friday as Wall Street analyzed the latest economic data for clues on the Federal Reserve's next policy move. Data released earlier in the week showed a contraction in manufacturing as investors continued to evaluate the probability of an economic slowdown in the second half of this year. Comments from Federal Reserve officials appeared to support another 25 basis point rate hike whilst also suggesting that rates may remain higher for much longer than originally anticipated. The markets are now pricing in an 89% chance for a 25 basis point rate hike at the Fed's next policy meeting to be held on the 2nd and 3rd of May. Meanwhile, the yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury bond added two basis points to 3.568%, whilst the yield on the two-year Treasury note rose by one basis points to 4.182%. For your information, bond prices move inversely to bond yields. That means that as interest rates rise, bond prices fall, And vice versa. And therefore, in the current scenario where global interest rates are rising, bond prices are falling in tandem. And therefore, most bond investors, including commercial banks, are experiencing significant losses so far this year. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil edged higher on Friday and this was on the back of strong economic data from the eurozone as well as the United Kingdom. However, despite the strong economic data, Brent crude was on track for a weekly loss of 5.5% as it settled at 81.77 US dollars a barrel, whilst the US benchmark West Texas Intermediate was set for a weekly fall of 5.7% and closed the session at US$78.02 per barrel. Both benchmarks have now declined to their lowest level since April, driven lower by fears of an upcoming global recession, as well as swelling crude oil inventories in the United States. Meanwhile, Marban oil, which Kenya imports, declined to eighty-three point nine eight U.S. dollars per barrel, compared to the previous week, where it was recorded at eighty-eight point five two U.S. dollars. And in the precious metals market, gold fell sharply on Friday and was headed for its worst week in the past eight as hawkish remarks by U.S. Fed officials throughout the week confirmed the outlook for at least one more interest rate hike. And the reason gold fell sharply was because rate hikes increase the opportunity cost of holding gold, which is a non-yielding asset that means it doesn't pay out a regular coupon like a bond. The price of gold shed about 1.2% for the week and dropped below the 2k level to trade at 1,976 US dollars per ounce. And in the crypto world, last week the European Parliament approved the world's first comprehensive framework that is aimed at regulating the cryptocurrency industry. This move puts the European Union a step ahead of the United States, where the Securities and Exchange Commission has failed to provide regulatory clarity for the crypto industry. And in response to the vague regulatory environment in the States, U.S. crypto companies are now looking to exercise regulatory arbitrage by expanding their operations into the European Union. For your information, regulatory arbitrage is a practice where companies capitalize on favorable regulations in one country with a view to circumventing unfavorable regulations in another country. We now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets and as is the norm, we start by looking at the foreign exchange market where during the past week, the Kenya shilling continued to depreciate versus the major international currencies, but remained stable and resilient versus the regional currencies. According to data from the central bank, the Kenya shilling was trading at 134.97 versus the U.S. dollar, compared to 133.95 the previous week. However, commercial banks were still selling the U.S. dollar, at between 136 shillings on the lower side to 144 shillings on the higher side. Meanwhile, the sterling pound was priced at 167.77 and the euro was valued at 147.96. And on the regional front, one Kenyan shilling was changing hands for 27.64 Ugandan shillings and 17.37 Tanzanian shillings, And to the Rwandese franc, it was posted at 8.22. In my view, the Kenyan shilling will continue to depreciate for the foreseeable future as the country remains weighed down by excessive foreign external debts as our debt-to-GDP ratio now stands at above 70% and our debt repayments consume more than 65% of total revenue collections. On foreign exchange reserves, during the past week, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves increased by $155 million to $6.53 billion U.S. billion, which is equivalent to 3.63 months of import cover. This amount falls below the required threshold and is in breach of the central bank's statutory requirement, to endeavour to maintain at least four months of import cover. Kenya's foreign exchange reserves have now declined to the lowest level in the past 10 years, and this is the result of increased foreign debt repayments coupled with the country's inability to access the international financial markets due to the high cost of U.S. dollar debt. In the money markets, the liquidity situation in the interbank market was significantly tighter during the past week as tax remittances to the government exceeded and more than offset government payments into the market. Commercial banks' excess reserves in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement stood at 22.1 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active with the average interbank rate at 8.73% compared to 8.46% the previous week. During the past week, the average value traded in the interbank market increased to 29.7 billion shillings from 23.8 billion shillings the previous week. In the government securities market, the weekly Treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 20th of April, and the central bank received bids totaling 35.1 billion shillings, against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance of 146%. The central bank ended up accepting 33.2 billion shillings for all the three tenors. Meanwhile, interest rates increased marginally but remained stable as the bulk of the bids, which was about 30.5 billion shillings, were concentrated on the 91-day Treasury bill, whose rate increased by 8.7 basis points to settle at 10.15%. Meanwhile, the 182-day rate inched up by 4.9 basis points to end up at 10 percent and the 364 day rate ticked up by 1.2 basis points to break above the 11% level and trade at 11.05%. For your information, one basis point is equivalent to 0.01% and therefore 100 basis points is equivalent to one percentage point. In the primary bond market, the third April bond auction was held on Wednesday, the 19th of April. And this was for the reopened three-year fixed coupon treasury bond. And the central bank received bids totalling 7.3 billion shillings against an advertised amount of 30 billion shillings, representing a dismal performance of just 24%. However, the central bank ended up accepting only 1.75 billion shillings at a weighted average rate of 13.47% vis-a-vis the bond's coupon at 11.76%. And in a rare move, the central bank cancelled the issuance of the 15-year fixed-coupon treasury bond which suggests that there was no interest for this paper and now raises concerns about the government's ability to raise funds from the domestic market unless it is willing to raise rates significantly higher to match market expectations. At the Nairobi Securities Exchange during the past week, the equities market was on a downward trajectory with the NASI, the NSC 20, and the NSC 25 declining by 3.3%, 1.2%, and 1.8%, respectively. This takes the year to date performance to losses of 15.3% for the NASI, 4.9% for the NSC 20, and 8.6% for the NSC 25. The market's performance was mainly driven by losses recorded by large cap stocks such as Safaricom and East African Breweries, which declined by 7.3% and 6.1% respectively. In addition to that, KCB Group and Absa Bank both dipped by 2.8%. These losses were, however, mitigated by gains recorded by stocks such as NCBA Group, Equity Group, and Diamond Trust Bank, which increased in value by 5.4%, 1.5%, and 1.4% respectively. Meanwhile, foreign investors turned back to net sellers with a net selling position of $1 million, and this takes their annual net selling position to just shy of $42 million in the bond market turnover in the domestic secondary market increased by 87% during the past week and in the international market the yields on Kenya's eurobonds were on an upward trajectory with the yield on the 10-year eurobond that matures in 2024 increasing the most by 80 basis points from 14.7% recorded the previous week to 15 the rise in Kenya's Eurobond yields is mainly attributed to the increased debt servicing costs that are currently consuming about 65% of total revenue collections. And next up is the topical issue for this week. And this week, we are looking at the IMF's call on Kenya to let the shilling depreciate. The International Monetary Fund has called on Kenya and other sub-Saharan central banks to let their currencies depreciate so as to encourage local production and export-oriented investments. This call comes at a time when the Kenya shilling has already depreciated to record lows and according to the official central bank rate, is currently valued at 135 shillings against the U.S. dollar. However, in the parallel dollar market, commercial banks are selling the U.S. dollar at an average of 140 shillings. The weaker shilling is fueling inflation by increasing the cost of importing critical inputs, such as fuel, and has at the same time inflated the size of the country's foreign external debt. The International Monetary Fund has previously accused the Central Bank of Kenya of artificially managing the country's exchange rate and noted that countries with a floating exchange rate policy should let the value of their currencies be determined by market forces of demand and supply. The IMF further added that a floating rate policy should be supported by a well-functioning interbank forex market with minimal forex interventions that are limited to addressing excessive volatility. The IMF has also addressed the issue of a weaker shilling by calling on the government to implement austerity measures to regulate the growth of debt and at the same time urged the central bank to focus on taming inflation by tightening monetary policy which in turn will attract capital flows and in the process help to prop up the Kenya shilling. According to the IMF, the exchange rate should act as a shock absorber, where changes in the exchange rate provide price signals to all the economic agents to adapt to the new external realities. And before we sign off, it's now time for that special announcement. So, to commemorate the first anniversary of the Market Color podcast, and as a result of the numerous inquiries I continue to receive from our listeners, I have decided to write a book. And the reason for writing this book is to help our listeners to develop a better understanding of the global financial markets, and how economic indicators such as inflation and interest rates influence asset prices, as well as the overall performance of the economy. I'm hoping that the book will be out by August this year, but not to worry because I will keep you updated on the progress, and will share more details about the book as we go along. So wish me luck, and I hope I'm able to meet that deadline. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Color podcast. We hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. We really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. And for your information, the Market Color podcast is now available on all the major hosting directories, and that is Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Please subscribe and remember to turn on alerts to be notified of new episodes. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. That is jamuhuri, g at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support. I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a blessed and fruitful week ahead. And remember, if you are persistent, you will get it. And if you are consistent you will keep it think about it thank you and god bless